My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. I do. <laughs> You're gonna do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. In the mud, blood, beer. Years that I'm not working Fourth of July. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode here on Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the Raspy Dispatcher. At the time of this recording, it is currently October, uh, but you wouldn't know it by looking at the weather it is already 75 degrees at about 10 a.m. in the Bay Area, at, just for reference, about a block from the water, and I am miserable. <laughs> I actually used to work in Sacramento, and when I worked graveyard, um, I would run my AC all day long because no one likes a grumpy dispatcher, okay? So we got to be able to get our sleep, and my roommate uh, would turn the AC off sometimes and I have to go in there and have a conversation. Like, look, I will pay the extra. <laughs> this AC has to run or, or Sacramento is not going to be safe when I go to work. So hopefully everyone is staying cool um, and well rested in this very weird weather that we're having out here. Um, and I'm sure all over the place. Um, my guest today has 16 years of experience as a dispatcher and has now shifted and taken on the role of public safety dispatch program manager at the California Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training. Now, if you're from California, you're going to recognize that agency as POST. If you're not, we're going to talk a little bit about it today. My guest, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I'm. Oh, I forgot to show you. Look what I'm wearing. Oh, yes. For no one watching and just <laughs> listening. It's a because shirt. We yes. love those. <laughs> because it is so true. So true. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, tell us how you got into public safety. Oh, it was quite a journey. Um, I grew up in California and when I was 21 had one of those, I don't really know what I want to do with my life moments. And so I moved to Southeast Georgia okay. where I have family, but I, was I, like, went from, there? <laughs> yeah, I went from the hustle and bustle of a Sacramento suburb to a town with a caution light mm-hmm. and dirt roads and just the slow pace of living. The best pizza came from the gas station that was at the corner with that caution light. Okay. No joke. It's still there. When I go back and visit, that's where I get my pizza. <laughs> from. Um, but I just, like I said, kind of had one of those, I don't know what to do with my life moments, moved, had a couple different jobs. And then saw an advertisement in the newspaper for a dispatcher of this very rural county. And my aunt was like, hey, why not? Why not go for it? And I was like, hindsight made total sense. I already had a cousin who was a dispatcher in Oregon. My grandfather retired from a sheriff's department and my uncle retired from pretty high up the food chain in the FBI. So why I never considered this arena I guess I just wasn't ready for that. (laughs) So um, I applied and I surprisingly got the job, Um, went into it knowing nothing about 911 other than somebody answers the phone when you call 911. And the unique thing about my first agency, I tell people all the time, that is where I learned the most. And I was there a year. There was no such thing as CAD. They couldn't afford a CAD system. 
And this wasn't that long ago, right? Like 15 plus years ago. So everything was on pen and paper. If I was lucky, I got caller ID. We worked solo. Um, Our radio was one of those old radios that took up a whole, like essentially table. And you had to know the codes to tone out your fire department and a severe thunderstorm. We would use pencils to push the buttons because we got shocked a couple of times. Like, (laughs) and the county was in the process of being addressed for 911. So people would call 911 and be like, my house is on fire out Route 1, Box 396. Mm. And I didn't grow up there. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. How do you get there? And they're giving me all these instructions like, oh, you go down the freeway or the highway till you get to that um, second turnout once you turn north. And then you know where the so-and-sos used to live, but their barn burned down in the 50s? You turn there. You go down past the third S curve. When you see the row of five mailboxes, turn right. And I think we're the sixth driveway on the left. Nobody knew their address. Yeah. They were in the process of addressing it. So here's me, kid from Sacramento, California, where I don't know where there are any dirt roads out here, right? (laughs) Going to a place where everybody had lived there for generations. So when you said, hey, go to the old, you know, Freeman barn that burned down in the 50s, thank God my deputies knew where that was because I had no clue where I was sending people. So I learned how to read maps really well and just kind of figure it out. Um, that was the first time I had ever been told I had an accent. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm having a hard time understanding you guys. I'm the one with the accent. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I sent them to an address on Main Street. For, mm-hmm. It was like a like a cold report. So it wasn't anything priority. Main Street. And they all went to range. <laughs> so they were convinced that's what I was trying to say. And, <laughs> It's not you can't be like, look at your call. It's not there. They don't have an oh, they, didn't, they didn't have yeah. ads. So I had to voice everything. And oh, so man. I would have to voice those crazy instructions for them. And so, I mean, that was just my foundation. So when I switched agencies to somebody with CAD, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Mm. What is this? I still was the only one that knew how to read maps because I was so used to that. So when CAD would crash, I'd have senior dispatchers going, hey, what beat is this in? And I'm like, oh, it's beat such and such. And you would send this person. And I'm like, why don't you know that? Well, that wasn't necessary training for them. So it was a unique, and that was just one county over. And it was wow. like, it's just so crazy, the, the differences. But And those differences are still evident today. I mean, I know a lot of folks who listen um, are just from big cities like us, you know, they're from rural dispatch centers. And um, I talked to one of my friends because uh, I went to school in Iowa and they ended up uh, doing dispatch out there and they have that same kind of similar situation where they don't have all the technology necessarily that we do now or out here in these bigger cities. Um, and they have to do, dispatch, you know, pen, paper, or they're working the jail, or they're Mm -hmm. doing all these things that if you're working in these bigger cities aren't necessarily a part of our, uh, you know, to-do list for the day. And it's wild. You know, I say all the time, it's so interesting how each agency really does this job. Same, but so different. Yes. (laughs) Because that books, I mean, in Sacramento, when I was working out there, that's one thing they taught us how to use quickly. I think they had a big blackout um, 
couple years before I started with them. And I think it traumatized them greatly. So they were just like, the technology does fail. It will happen. Here's a map book. Yes. Well, and I once, you know, transitioned back to California, I was a training officer and I would always harp on training like the maps. Thomas Guide was really sad when they stopped printing those. But I remember, you know, just because I had that old school basic no CAD foundation teaching math classes to peers because they were like, you know, what is this this code section that the, you know, helicopter gives? Well, I'm like, well, that's the map page. <laughs> but if you, you've never spent time with a Thomas guide, you probably mm-hmm. wouldn't recognize those things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. Technology fails. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't happen as much now as it kind of used to, but yeah, be ready. Isn't that our motto or like the Boy Scouts? Always be prepared for (laughs) any scenario. (laughs) So what was it like in the beginning for you? I mean, obviously like going through training wasn't the same as, you know, if you were going through training here in Sacramento, Um, sounds like you came in there on a pretty, you know, clean slate, not knowing what the heck you were getting yourself into. What was that like that those beginning stages? It was, it was terrifying because everybody, especially in a small County like that, everybody knew everybody. So everybody knew the 911 operators. And so 911 was yes for emergencies, but it was also just kind of the County general information number. And so mm-hmm. they would call 911 and we had headsets we had to pick up. And um, I'd answer the phone and they'd like start talking and be like, oh, you must be new. Is he laying there with you? And I'm like, yeah, hold on. Well, I want to talk to Lane. It was just like, but to me, that was like, it almost kind of jacks with your um, emotions and your adrenaline because I was terrified every time that 911 was flying yeah. right, that I was going to yeah. have like a burning house that I couldn't find. And it would be somebody like, oh, yeah, I just had a question about, oh, wait a second, you must be new. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Who are you? They always wanted to know who your kinfolk is. Like, how, you know, how are you? How'd you end up here? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I live here in this county. And they're like, no, you don't. I can tell by your accent. So like, that's how some of my 911 calls would go. And then my next ones were like, legit, you got to figure this out because I didn't always have that other person. My training was like six months. They were like, yeah, we think you got it. Let's go. And I, I remember one time we had a pursuit um, turned kind of shootout and we had two phones and anytime there was a pursuit, you had to call the sheriff to let him know. The, so, the sheriff, not the, the sheriff. sheriff. No, the, the guy. Sheriff, yes. the and so it was like three in the morning. So I'm on one phone with him. I'm on the neighboring County with the other phone and trying to use my elbow to push to talk because we didn't have cool headsets. And so I'm like, Hey, and he hated when you called him sheriff. So you called him by his first name. Hey, Robert, um, we got to proceed. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, what do you need from me? And I'm like, I, I don't know. We're <laughs> checking my list. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, I, this is my first pursuit. So I really hope your deputy knows what he's doing because. Oh my gosh. I'm well, my brother, I would imagine there's no mute key. So, you know, everyone who's like on your ear is probably hearing you, Robert, Robert. And then you're yes. like, trying. <laughs> yes. The neighboring County. She's like, no, it's Charlene. I'm like, I know I'm talking about her. <laughs> and it was, it ended up being okay. My sheriff got up in his pajamas and went, and he was the one who did the stop sticks because he was the closest. It was a huge rural County. And my other deputies were coming from the other end. And he was like, where is he? And I rattle off the location. <laughs> I know where that is. I'll be there in two minutes. 
And on the side <laughs> of the road, out and- there with sticks, like, all right, we got yes. in his pajamas, nonetheless, because it was three in the morning. And now I know exactly, like, though, like, systematically, who I need to notify when there's a pursuit. And when it's over, I giggle because I imagine my seventy-something-year-old sheriff on the side of the road being the one deploying the stop sticks. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. I just, okay, my fear is working solo, like by my lonesome. We go down to two where I'm at now and I've gotten over that because I came from SAC and you know, SAC, we had a minimum like 15 on at a time. (laughs) No one misses me when I go take take some time in the office, you know, Um, but when it's two, you start to get missed. So when it's one, like, I can't imagine like you're by trying to sneak to the restroom and that's when they, that's when they go pursue. It's not like when you're chilling and ready. It's mm-hmm. when you're taking care of human needs. Like, <laughs> Yes. Yes. And like our dispatch center was incredibly small, but you had to run across a conference room, which is essentially where we all had dinner together on Sunday nights <laughs> to get to the bathroom. And so we instituted a two knock rule because that's always when the phone would ring and you'd be running across this little dilapidated building with your pants around your knees to get to the phone. And that never, that is of course when a deputy is going to walk in. Right. And so we're like, okay, when you come, you have to do like knock, knock, pause, knock, knock, and wait for us to yell because too many of those poor unsuspecting guys saw me running across the room to get to a phone that was ringing. Just just jumping over the conference table. Exactly. (laughs) Your modesty goes out the window because you're like, I got to answer that phone by the second ring or, you know, whatever your training is too. And so it was like, I got to make a run for it. They finally got us a cordless phone though. We could take with us if we needed to, but life changer. (laughs) (laughs) It's the little things you don't realize (laughs) until you're sliding across the conference table, you know, half exposed how, how uh, essential a cordless phone it probably be, you know? Right. Yeah. So it was, and only the 911s would go to the cordless phone. So you didn't have to worry about the business lines. Those could just ring and ring. People would call back. Yeah. Um, same thing because we work solo. So people would assume, oh, they must be on a 911 call and they would hang up and call back later. And Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. so crazy. Well, do you remember any of your first calls for service? Any early calls? Um, I think with that agency... The funny ones stuck with me because I was new, right? And you don't want to focus on the bad. Everybody kept telling me, oh, like, don't focus on bad stuff. Don't focus on bad stuff. So from that agency, a lot of, like, the calls that I remember are the Mm -hmm. funny ones. Uh, We had a lady call because she had a snake in her house, and we didn't have animal control in our county. So we would send a deputy over to, like, shoo the snake out. The two I sent were terrified of snakes. Um, it wiggled and they ran out the door while they ran like Kool-Aid man style through this woman's screen door and got on top of their patrol cars and radioed for backup. So like we had to buy her a new screen door and then she caught the snake and she came out and she was like, I'm so sorry that that scared you guys. And the best part was, is they cleared the call, went about their day. She called back on 911 to tell me what happened. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. So, like, we're not telling dispatch. We're never no, going at the end of that. Clear. We were able to assist. I'm like, hey, good job, you guys. Like, some of the snakes out here are like, 
really scary. A python. That's not a so, snake. That's a whole <laughs> cobra. <laughs> which ones are poisonous are going to bite you? So, hey, that was really cool, you guys. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had to call them out, of course, at Sunday dinner because we oh, did Sunday God. dinner together every week. Uh-huh. Um, well, hey, so remember that call? Yeah, I heard we have to buy her a new screen door. And they were like, <laughs> oh, oh, no. So I tend to remember those. Um, mm. We did have some like scary officer initiated things that you wouldn't think would happen in such a remote county. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, another pursuit shootout with yeah. some fleeing, I guess, probably escapees from New York. And it was one of those, you know, how you get like those crazy bolos, like be on the lookout for so-and-so who skipped out on work duty from five states over. And we're like, okay, we read it. We threw it in the bin. Why is this here? They're not going to make it here. (laughs) How did they get from New York to my little itty bitty county in Georgia? They got Mm -hmm. off the freeway trying to get to Florida because I-95, which is the cocaine highway, runs from Miami to New York. Oh, my gosh sideswiped our jurisdiction and for whatever reason they got off the freeway and my guys recognized the car <laughs> and we're chasing it and they're shooting and I was just like again oh my vaguely remember it because I'm alone so I had to yeah. jump into action right and then afterwards yeah. I was like are you guys okay and they're like yeah man that almost hit some of us like that was crazy and yeah. so I'm just like so when people say oh that can't happen here yes it can you know, that is the definition of this work. You know what I mean? Like you hear about all these like wild, huge stories, you know, these active shooter situations, these things that are just like wild. That that prisoner that just like spider crawled out of the out of the prison and then, you know, the counties around him are now searching for this spider monkey you know like those things that is that is how this job works is that you just end up with some out of nowhere stuff that you have to react to Mm -hmm. and then after the dust settled you're just kind of like what just happened I'm like how did you guys know about that car and they're like you faxed because I was back in the days of faxing you faxed that bolo over to the station when it first came out like a week ago. So oh my gosh, and it was old. a week old. Yeah, and I wow. it was the middle of the night, so I figured they were just chasing something. And then one of them's like, it's that car from New York. And at the time, it didn't click for me because it had been so long ago. I halfway read the bolo. Let's be mm-hmm. real. It's New York. Yeah. What, it, what are the odds I'm going to find them in rural Georgia? Yeah. And yeah, so looking back, we were all like, I can't believe that just happened. Well, like, and the memory on those folks, like nowadays, you know, we get bolos that are relevant. We send out it's their email, yeah. it's their MDT if it's something a little more urgent. Um, but remembering a, a fax from a, a week ago, mm-hmm. I don't think we're built like that anymore. You know what I mean? No, and probably because we rely so heavily on that technology, right? We added that and it kind of becomes a crutch. Like I don't have to remember it. I can search it. And so like for us, we would fax the bolos and then put them on a clipboard. So I'm like shuffling this clipboard to try to find when I sent this bolo over. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was one of those ones because it was so far away that we didn't really need to. It just sounded interesting to me because yeah. I'm so new, right? I'm all this that is good old, that good old dispatcher get, right? you know? Something told you, you know, we might want to know about this. Yeah, just in case, because it was like three of them together and 
I thought that was fascinating because the county I worked in, we legit had a chain gang. Our prisoners wore stripes and they would go clean up trash on the side of the freeway or clean some of these roads. They were dirt roads. So sometimes they would have to bring in dirt to build them back up. And that's when you went to jail in my county, that's what you did until your sentencing or whatever have you. And yeah, they wore stripes. I mean, every cliche movie you can think of. <laughs> stripes with a large pot bellied fella standing on the side of the road with a shotgun watching them like <laughs> the time warp and but not the sheriff in their pajamas you know no, no, thinking, yeah. <laughs> uh well what ended up getting you back to california and getting back to you know the the bigger agencies the the, where we had CADS and we're back in, you know, this higher um, populated area. What brought you back out here? Um, so when I was in Georgia for eight years, I was a dispatcher for five of those. Oh, um, wow. My brother and sister grew up while I was gone and they started getting married and having babies. And I didn't want to be the long distant aunt, you know, mm-hmm. and super close with my pop, who's my mom's dad. And at that time, his health had started to decline. And he was like, when I pass, your mom and your nana are going to need you. Like, Mm -hmm. you are that person for the family. That's the dispatcher in me. Again, why I didn't get into the center. I don't know. But I was the one in crisis that handled shit. Mm -hmm. And then I would have my breakdown. Mm -hmm. And he was like, for Christmas, I just want you to apply for three jobs out here. And I was like, done. Like, that's the easiest Christmas present ever. And then I saw how much dispatchers made in the state of California. <laughs> so um, with five years of experience um, mm-hmm. back east, I topped out at $12.25 an hour. Sheesh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right? And so I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That That's a misprint, right? That's not a comma. <laughs> 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 they make how much? Yes, I will apply for jobs back home. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. And I got picked up by um, a sheriff's department. And that was my first experience with the um, California hiring standards. So in Georgia, there's a post as well. um, But they didn't have hiring standards for dispatchers. They had basic training requirements. Mm -hmm. So I did go to a week-long post school in Georgia Mm -hmm. that had homework that you had to turn in. (laughs) There was a pass or fail written exam And there was pass or fail scenarios. And if you didn't pass, you had to go back to your home agency for more training and they could send you one more time. And then after that, you were not able to be a dispatcher in in Georgia. And so people were like, oh, you started in Georgia. I'm like, dude, that was legit scary. Like we had homework sessions. Oh my gosh. And then I come out here and they're like, oh, you have to do the California one. I'm like, cool. So day one, I got my notepad out. I'm like (laughs) taking notes. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm all this is a three week course. This exam is going to be like intense. And they're like, Oh, there isn't one. And I was all, I was like, this is, are you serious? I kept waiting for someone to like, be like, no, just kidding. There really is. You're going to do awesome with all your notes, but they just let me do me. And I was like, why is there no test? Like, this is the job. This is how In the group test. chat with the old agency, like, look, they don't even have an exam out here yes. in California. Well, y'all come with me. We're going to make so much money and there's no test. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. interesting. My gosh. But so yeah. how, was, yeah, how was that transition going from Map Bugs, Thomas Guides to 
learning a CAD system. I think learning a CAD system in general, right, is stressful. But I would imagine, as I've lateraled before, so learning a CAD system with previous experience, I feel like can be even more of a struggle because you have all your all your baggage with you, all mm-hmm. your junk with you. But you're coming from no CAD to CAD. So how was that? It was, well, the second agency I was at did have a CAD, but it wasn't like today's CADs, right? Like mm-hmm. we could put in calls for service. I could dispatch officers on it, but the officers didn't have MDTs. Mm-hmm. So it was really just more of a tool for dispatchers. Mm-hmm. But of all the CAD systems to have, it turns out I went from an agency in Georgia who used, used to be Tiburon, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure who they are now, I think Central Square, um, went to an agency in Northern California that had a newer version of Tiburon. So Ooh, that's what I did. I had, learn, <laughs> I had to learn their like command strings, mm-hmm. but they made sense to me. I had the hardest time relearning 10 and 11 codes because they were completely different than what we used in the South. Mm. Um, I came from an agency using military phonetics in mm-hmm. California, you know, Adam boy, Charles, David, like, you said who no. Ida? I, I don't know who Ida is. Who is Ida? You know? <laughs> you know, and like I had military phonetics. So you revert back to your training when you're in high stress situations. And I would throw out a no tango, you know, November tango foxtrot. And people were like, ah, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm all terminating. We don't right? know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to learn penal code. Oh, because back there we had 10 0 through 10 104. And each of those meant something. And you know, like 1037 was suspicious. You could be a 1037 V for vehicle, P for person, mm-hmm. but that's how you dispatched it. Mm-hmm. You come out here and you're like, well, gosh, there's a penal code for trespassing. I can't just say person refusing to leave property. And so learning the new alphabet and then penal code, I was ready to move back to Georgia like super quick. I was all, everybody says California's cutting edge. This is so backwards to me. Um, <laughs> Vehicle registrations in Georgia would tell you make, model, and color of the vehicle. California doesn't have that. I'm like, that is a huge safety thing. Like, I feel like that's three more things to key in. Come on, DMV. Like, let's all be on the same page here. I totally agree. Yeah, Yeah, and everything is in a different spot. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. And Georgia, we ran a lot of Florida people. Florida Mm. people, you guys, Mm. your DMV is spot on. They have the emergency contact information four people on their driver's license. Look, let's be honest though. Florida people, the Florida calls out there. That is probably why they put that stuff on. The alligator, when they find the body in the alligator, they gotta know who to call. Well hey, it makes it easier, right? Now I'm not trying to like Facebook stalk people to find their next in care. (laughs) No, it really is so true. And like we kind of dispatched in the same area at my last agency and in SAC, we used nine code and I don't know whose idea that was. <laughs> um, I think it's me in Oakland or us in Oakland who use nine code. Um, don't want to get with the rest of the world using 10 code for some reason. So when I lateraled, I had to learn 10 code and I also had to learn, um, how to run run folks out because we had a warrants channel oh, in Sacramento. Right. So like the the glass ceiling that was broke when I went into this new agency and they were like, yeah, when you know your officers go out and stop and they're like checking this person for wants and warrants and all these things, if they have a gun, if they have you know uh, all that. 
And I was like, we we did that? We're supposed to <laughs> us? Like, and I'm like, who did that for us at our agency? Because the only thing I ran out at my last agency was like the plate and their mm-hmm. status for their driver's license. I'm like, where, where is, <laughs> I don't even think we really talked about the war and stuff because we just didn't deal with it. You know, it really only popped up when the guy with the war ran <laughs> and then we right? knew yeah. something <laughs> was going on. But it's just one of those things that people are just so different the way mm-hmm. they do stuff. Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah. It is like you said, like the nine code. Yeah. We would like, if we had to call Sacramento for backup on something, Plain like, language. just tell me in English. Like, I don't know. Plain language. Even, even CHP in our region use slightly different 11 codes. And uh-huh. so I'd be like, I don't know what that means. This is what I need. This is what I need. I don't know. Just help me, please. So yeah, it's interesting. Like, yeah. it's just like you said, it's, we all have the same profession, but we all do it so vastly different from agency to agency. And it's like, wouldn't it be nice if we all just did it? And everyone thinks they're the best at it. You know, policing, everyone thinks Mm -hmm. they're the best at it, which, you know, we're all great at what we do, but (laughs) some things we can all get together on and just decide to do together. And I think that's what If we we all spoke the same language and we all use the same CAD or like had that CAD to CAD connectivity. Oh my God. How (laughs) cool would it be? Like if you guys were short five people, I'd be like, I got you. Go on vacation. I'll just come working your call center, right? Like, no okay, but if we if we could all talk to each other through our CAD, like county county, we'd all be in court. Like, could you imagine all those two mess all those two messages to each other? Like, <laughs> yes, or the ones that accidentally end up in calls because you keyed oh in wrong, God. and so like you oh, add the note yeah. to the call instead of messaging it to the deputy, and you're like. Mm. <laughs> Hmm, maybe nobody will see that. Let's hope right, that one doesn't get a court. Oh. <laughs> because like our like our tech, we fail sometimes too. So true. <laughs> a yes. dirty CAD screen will get you. It'll get you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've yeah. shifted out of dispatch and you are working for our post in here in California. Yeah. The, maybe a little bit about post and how you kind of made that transition. So I made that transition and this kind of like connects to my why I push wellness so hard at the state level for dispatchers now is I probably could have stayed in my career longer had I taken care of myself. Hmm. So starting even when I first came to California, so, you know, skip the first five years in Georgia, wellness really wasn't a prevalent thing for dispatchers, right? Like you took a crappy call, you had a bad situation. It was like, do you need to do you need to get up? But it was a very judgy, like, do you need to get up? Yeah. You know, and like you would go splash water on your face to hide the tears, and then you would suck it up and you came back to work because you're a dispatcher and that's what you do. <laughs> so cumulative PTSD finally caught up to me. Mm. And one of those calls, a pursuit that would normally just make me so excited, jump up and be like, Yeah, let's go, yeah. literally made me dry heave into a trash can. Wow. And I looked at my partners and I was like, I'm done. 
they're like, wait, right now is all, nope, I will finish this, but I think I'm done. And they were like, oh, she just means for the day, whatever. And I was like, no, legit, I'm done. Like, I just, it's not fun anymore. And then I looked around the room and realized I couldn't find that crusty, salty person I worked with. And then I was like, Ooh, I need to look in the mirror. It might be me, right? Yeah. So I just kind of had that revelation of, okay, I think I'm ready to do something else. But mm-hmm. then it was like, well, what do you do with a dispatcher when they're done being a dispatcher? Like, mm-hmm. I could go to records. And our records people, shout out to them, do amazing things. Mm-hmm. They have to read the end reports of all the stuff we start. Yeah. And they tip usually make less. And that's just not okay. Like mm-hmm. we need we need to like get them on the dispatch train with us and like support mm-hmm. everyone together. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, go to records. That's less money for my family. And I had a young baby at that time. And so I was like, all right, I gotta, what do I like? And I had a captain who was incredibly supportive. Um, didn't really realize that at the time. At the time, I thought, oh, my God, he can tell I'm burnt out. And he's pushing me out. Mm-hmm. Really, he was challenging me to look within myself and say, where do your passions truly lie? What mm-hmm. is your why that you connect to? Because it's mm-hmm. no longer about stopping the bad guys because laws changed. And I didn't feel like we were really sending that many bad guys to jail. Was yeah. I helping people? Maybe. But I've been cussed out and called more things that I didn't know existed later on in my career, you know, like (laughs) my family, because I said, that's a civil matter. (laughs) This is just, the world is shifting and I was not enjoying the ride. And so the captain was like, what is your passion? I was like, I love training for as salty Mm -hmm. as I am. Mm -hmm. I love training new dispatchers because I want to give them that incredible foundation that I got Mm -hmm. all those years ago. And so he says, let's do something with that. Let's help you Mm -hmm. harness that passion and let's figure something out. Mm -hmm. I think he probably meant within the department, but I started looking outside of our department and I was like, where else could I go? I don't want a lateral because God, training sucks no matter how many. Never again. Never again. (laughs) That background packet. I do not remember who I lived with. 20 years ago because it was a flash in the pan relationship. Do I really have to track them down for this background pocket? Right? Like, come on. Mm. And so I saw this job posted with the state on just like the, not even the post website, just like the generic Cal careers website. Mm. And I had told my friends, if I leave to go to the state, it would be post DOJ or OES because Mm. those were the ones that touched the profession that I loved so much. Yeah. And so I saw this, job listing at post first of all the way the state markets jobs you guys it's <laughs> it doesn't make a lick of sense make sure you're opening the duty statements to read those because the way this one was marketed it was like oh be the manager of the management counseling and projects bureau that did not sound like fun I'm like, yeah, I, know, no. I know zero about that i don't want to what no mm-hmm. well when i started reading the duty statement it was managing the profession that i love and I was like, yes, I can do this. And so I took the test to be on the hiring list. Um, they required what they call a statement of qualifications, which is basically an essay bragging about yourself and how awesome you are and how good you're going to be at the job, mm. which is really uncomfortable for dispatchers to do. Right? Like, <laughs> I feel like most of us are pretty humble. We're behind the heads, you know, radio. We don't want to be out in front like mm-hmm. some people are cool with that the rest of us are like I do it because I want to help people but really we have all this amazing skill and passion 
that we don't we don't know how to translate outside of dispatch. Yeah. And so I wrote my essay of me and it took me like a week and I sent it to a couple different mentors I have outside of the profession. I'm all, please mm-hmm. read this. Make sure it translates right. I just, I'm so excited about this potential possibility. And a lot of it is training focused. And mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm translating dispatch into regular people speak. Yeah. Because sure. it's just mm-hmm. like when you come home and your family was like, how was today? Oh, we had this 415 that turned into a 459. And then the 275, <laughs> I can't believe that lady. Right? Like we're so ingrained in our own culture that we don't go, oh, wait a second, I need to translate this. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I put in put in my essay and I waited and I waited. It's just like all other governments. You wait, you wait, you wait. Mm-hmm. And then I got a phone call and I came in and I was so incredibly nervous. I have not interviewed for a job in a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. My lateral experiences were not. I mean, you have to have an interview as part of the hiring process, but they weren't as formal and like. They're know, like, yeah, come, friend. We need yeah, you. Like, yeah, experience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, We're really just doing yeah. a personality check at this point. Are you gonna match well with us? Good. All right, let's come train exactly. you. <laughs> yeah. So I had to go into a room with a bunch of suits. Mm. Which, if you need a suit for an interview, Ross, TJ Maxx. That's where I got my first. Suit. <laughs> okay. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, I went in and I had to sell myself, and. The one thing that I walked away from that, I was like, you know what? I feel really good about that. And I tried. And if I don't get it, now I have a new why. I have a new passion to chase. Mm. And I'm going to figure out how to make things better for dispatchers. Mm. Because that has been my thing from the beginning is if I leave, and I did, I just want to make it better than it was when I left. Mm -hmm. That's it. I just want to make it better than it was. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm I'm on track to do that. you know, we've been working on a lot of stuff. The basic course that I think most of us took that three week vacation because there is no test. Um, <laughs> I have spent the last year working with experts to update all the curriculum. We're adding learning domains. It's going to be longer. Uh, you know, I used tests. to teach yeah. posts that suck. And I feel like I heard this like when I was leaving that someone yes. was coming in and um updating things and like sitting in on the classes because it was right after I left or mm-hmm. right around the time. When did you leave? Program. I left two years ago. Okay. Then that was me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I think, I think it was you because, um, uh, my, my old, you know, supervisors and stuff were saying like, they're, you know, really look at the, the bullet bulletins that we're supposed to be hitting. They're going to be coming in and evaluating the class, updating it. Um, so yeah, I think, we, have, we, might have, we almost almost cross paths. <laughs> yes. No, that was me because I had taken it in 2011. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, let me see who's being proactive and adding contemporary stuff. Let me see how students are receiving this. Because mm-hmm. in California, you're only required by regulation to take that class within the first year of employment. Correct. Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings on that. <laughs> um so in the class, you have some people that a couple months, and then you had some people who were like five years because they were out of compliance. And there's really no admonishment for being out of compliance other than hurry up and get it done, right? Yeah. And so we're doing a disservice to our dispatchers by approaching it that way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because this really is meant to be a foundational class. So if you're mm-hmm. waiting a year plus to take it, it truly is a three week vacation, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. You've already formed your bad habits. You already know your agency specific stuff that might not be in line with some of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, you know, like, let's not waste each other's time. Like, let's put together a good class that's going to help people that gives that foundational knowledge and let's have them go <clears throat> when it is still considered foundational. So, yeah. no, it's true. Like I said, I would teach uh, at, in Sacramento. I think we t- taught the open, the professional ethics, like the very first class oh. day you're supposed to mm-hmm. um, go. And you would have like folks who've been doing this for like years. And then you're like, this is what dispatch is. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it doesn't feel um, very authentic when it's right. when that's your audience. You know, it yeah. feels a little outdated for those folks. So it definitely, you coming in, understanding that as a dispatcher, as someone who's probably experienced that um, coming from, you know, an outside agency and someone with all that experience coming into this new role um, just speaks to your commitment to making it a better experience for, you know, everyone uh, in the future to come and have to go through post here in California and whatnot. So um, I know I would. I appreciate you doing that. And I know it's probably pretty uh, a thankless situation that you're probably in. You know, dispatchers are coming up to you and like, oh, Jennifer, thank you so much for updating the post class. Like, you know, but as someone who's taught it, as someone who's experienced it, we really need folks to be looking at those things and updating them more often than maybe we do. You know, mm-hmm. so I do appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I think it it ties into you like saying, hey, we need more dispatchers. And if they have a relevant course from the get go, Mm -hmm. they're going to stay, right? They're going to stay, they're going to learn, they're going to hopefully fall in love with the job as much as you and I have. And they're going to want to grow. And I'm giving, I don't want to say I, like, I feel like we're giving agencies kind of a break, right? Like, let mm-hmm. let me give them a foundation, take some of that pressure off your CTOs. Because yeah. as a CTO, when you're trying to hire, because you're always short staffed, that is so incredibly stressful. So if the foundational, the who, what, when, where, why, how is addressed in class, if we're talking about vehicle descriptions, like symbol, the acronym we use, the color year, make all of that, we start teaching that in the academy mm-hmm. level. That is mm-hmm. So many less things that a CTO has to focus on. And some of the new content, new learning domains we've added, I'm incredibly excited about. And then part of me is like, okay, ding, next project is I need to make something to fill in the gap from those who took the old class versus the new class. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of the new learning domains that we created, there's one on human trafficking. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so important in our state. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a terrorism and extremist group awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're starting to get more and more homegrown situations happening yeah. and, you know, just kind of be aware of it. Um, and then another one, mental health and intellectual developmental disability awareness. Yeah. And that is, I'm not encouraging a dispatcher to diagnose anybody, Yeah. but start looking outside the box just because somebody is twitchy or talking to themselves or rocking. It doesn't mean they're 5150, yeah. right? There's something mm-hmm. else going on. And maybe now that'll trigger somebody to go, Ooh, let me ask some different questions, you know, yeah. like what exactly are they doing? Um, do you know that person? Is this a pattern yeah. of behavior? Where are you? Because for um, my nephew who is autistic, he does the mm-hmm. self-soothing with the waving the hands and the rocking. 
if he's in an overstimulated environment. Yeah. You know that person, can you redirect them to something not as stimulating? Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll apply to runaways, right? Like if I see mm-hmm. that missing kid, how do I approach them? Are mm-hmm. they going to be okay with me touching them? Are the lights and sirens going to scare them? Just kind of giving dispatchers that that power and authority to think outside the box. I just yeah. really want to encourage that. Our job is not black and white. There is so many vast gray areas that you can explore as a dispatcher. And if you get that in the basic course and you go back to your home agency, find out what that policy is. But now you kind of have this extra tool. Like, mm-hmm. do you guys know that that may not be what it is at face value? Like, maybe we should ask more questions and that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'm, I'm just excited. We're bringing it into the, the new century. We're adding yeah. some stuff. Um, we added a bunch of LGBTQ information that is just missing. You know, yeah. like when you're talking to someone, ask their preferred pronouns, mm-hmm. right? When mm-hmm. I started my career, it was ma'am or sir. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Talk to them. What's your preferred pronoun? Mm-hmm. You have a DV situation. Be cognizant of they can be same-sex partnership, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to respect that. And just little things that we didn't like touch on because we felt like in the, you know, initially like, oh, it's common sense. It's in there now, right? Yeah. So now when it's being taught, that is being mentioned because my common sense versus the new generation's common <laughs> sense are so different, right? Like yeah. we just grew up vastly different. And so yeah. I don't want too much of the fill in the blank, figure it out when you're teaching, like not nah, like, you can be creative with this stuff, but now it's a lot deeper on the things you have to cover. So, yeah. And I mean, more knowledge is always power, right? And Absolutely. I mean, when we're talking about making these things foundational and getting these dispatchers in ASAP, I mean, we're talking about where we're understaffed, we're trying to get people in, we're having the same trainers train for months on end, getting them into this three week course gives that trainer a three week break where they can just sit and do their job and not have to be responsible for someone else to do their job. Cause one thing is evident is CTO burnout. I mean, I'm constantly, if I, not me personally, but if I'm a CTO and I'm constantly training someone, constantly correcting someone constantly, you know, like that takes a lot out the job's hard and, you know, and now I'm teaching someone else to do it. And then, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of stuff to put on someone. So if we can work in a break, (laughs) a three week gap every, you know, six to six months or so when you're getting a new trainee, however your agency has it set up, work it in, you know, let your trainers breathe. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. need it. Well, and that's one thing. So for post, anything that we want to push out, approve, update has to go through the commissioners and the commissioners are governor appointed. Um, I probably should know the breakdown, but it's so many sheriffs, chiefs, sergeants, line level, state agencies, there's public members that have to be appointed. So when I'm talking to them about this course, I don't know how to say it nicely. This might be something you have to work with in the editing section. Um, (laughs) Chiefs and sheriffs are so far removed because they're at the top of the food chain that Mm -hmm. depending on the size of your department, they just don't know the process Mm -hmm. and understand the process of training a dispatcher. So mm-hmm. when I said, hey, this new course is going from three weeks to four, eyeballs got like this big. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's more overtime. My philosophy is send them sooner. Mm-hmm. They're not counted for staffing when they're tethered to a CTO. Yeah. They're not losing any money. 
Yeah. Send them sooner. Take give your CTOs a break. Take the pressure off the CTO for having to give that foundational knowledge, and send them before they count as stopping. You're not having a backfill. Yeah. And it was to me like totally makes sense, right? But to them, it was like revolutionary because they are so far removed that they're yeah. like, oh. I'm like, just because it says within the first year, sir, don't wait till the first year. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You got to think about what works for your agency and for your center. And, you know, hey, CTOs, if you're listening, like, this is your opportunity to say, hey, if we send them sooner, we're going to get less burnout. We don't have to worry about teaching foundational stuff and they don't count in staffing. Yeah. Win win, right? Like, and you have to look at it that way. Like, we want to bring in dispatchers to help us fill that overtime, but they got to be trained or mm-hmm. you've wasted all that time training somebody quickly just to mm-hmm. get them to fill a vacancy. So, yeah, it's really our opportunity to kind of start shifting this culture, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. look at the way we're recruiting, mm-hmm. you know, like, you but especially I get calls all the time because my name's on the post website for entry-level dispatchers who want to go to work. And these applications y'all are posting on your HR websites don't make a lick of sense. We are using so many acronyms for mm-hmm. things that entry-level dispatchers are not going to know what they are. They're yeah. calling me going, this says I have to take the post course. And so I'll be like, well, what agency? And I go to the website and it says, no, you don't have to have it prior to employment. You mm-hmm. have to take it within the first year. Why are we telling people that? That's something that as an agency, we do for them. Yeah, I want you not to relevant. Graduate high school. Don't be using drugs. Like, I yeah. want you to <laughs> no felonies, you know, like. <laughs> we, we list all these, like, you have to be, you have to get clutch access and you have to do this, you have to do that. That's something the agency is responsible for. Why are we yeah. putting that in the job? Yeah. Why are we it's bogging just it confusing down? confusing and scary, right? They're like, mm-hmm. oh. DOJ, like, what is going on? I'm like, you just gotta get fingerprinted, right? It's not that deep, it's not that deep, right? Like, we just make it very intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. I don't know that we realize I say we because once a dispatcher, always a dispatcher, but I think like we need to look at the way we're recruiting. Like, I've seen Mm -hmm. some great agencies post super fun ads on Mm -hmm. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram that don't showcase the hard stressful stuff of dispatch Mm -hmm. they showcase the fun camaraderie the cool things you get to do Mm -hmm. that's where we get our new generation right that's where we're getting people interested and this is probably not popular opinion um Mm -hmm. i don't know that we necessarily need to be recruiting for a career we need to be recruiting for a job and hoping Mm -hmm. it turns into a career right thousand percent newer generations are looking for jobs Mm-hmm. And if I can hire someone who uses this as a job for three years, that is three years that I don't have stressed out dispatchers working mandatory overtime. And mm-hmm. hopefully they just fall in love with it like I did and they stay or they decide they want to go work in investigations or be a CSO and they're still with the department. So they're still serving their community. That's still a win. Mm-hmm. I just think we need to look at the way we're marketing it. Yeah. It's a super fun job. Why are we not showcasing that part of it? Yeah. And I mean, we want to give folks an experience, right? Like this is something that people are coming and spending 12 hours of their day, the holidays, the birthdays, the all the things. And it's going to be tough. You know, one thing I don't do is uh, 
paint a pretty picture in light of folks here on Let's Talk Dispatch. Like my job can be very stressful, mm -hmm. um, but it's also very rewarding. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of the reality of it. Um, but if we can get a dispatcher in the door for, like you said, two, three, four, five years, and then they move on to do something like go change the change the foundational training at post or, you know, go work at DOJ or go uh, even teach at a school and, mm -hmm. you know, talk about dispatch. Like that's what we want. What we don't want is for folks to spend two, three, four, five years, be burnt out, hate it, and then go tell all their friends how to never be a dispatcher. You know, like that's what we're trying to avoid. Yes. We want our people to be recruiting for us. You know, mm -hmm. I want folks to wear that shirt and then people go dispatcher and then you get to tell them like why we need more dispatchers, you know, like mm -hmm. that's the, that's how we should be moving in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And anytime I would ever train somebody, I would, yeah, I'm, not, I'm like you, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There are some very rewarding parts of this job. And then there are some parts that are really going to shake you and potentially change your outlook. Mm -hmm. But I'm here as your cruise cap, you know, your cruise director, right? Mm -hmm. Let me yeah. help you on this journey. Let's figure out, you know, the tools that you need to be successful. Um, Cause I was a big learning style quiz CTO. And if they rotated to somebody else, I would re-quiz them because your learning style changes throughout your career and your life. No, that's so I, always wanted to make sure that I was tailoring my training to the way it needed to be received. And a lot of times people will be like, I'm hands on. And then they take the quiz and really they're visual learners. So <laughs> like, okay, but yeah, like we just, yeah, this career is rewarding. Some of the best friends I have, half of my wedding party were dispatchers, people that I've met throughout my career. I'm having a wild wedding. <laughs> <laughs> is it a bunch of dispatchers? <laughs> You know, like, it's just, you know, some of the coolest things and lessons that I have learned in life, I have learned in this profession. And I am so incredibly thankful for that. And, you know, other people have that opportunity, too. And another thing that I think um, as a CTO, I needed to be reminded is that my way is not the only way. Mm. I think it's the best way. But I think that's another area we need to work on, right? We need to recruit on getting them in the door and then we need to think about what we're doing that's not keeping them. Yeah. And I think we are really at an opportunity with the new generations coming into the workforce to really kind of shift that culture. If you have that culture in your comm center, just realize, especially with any CAD system any of us have, there's like 16 different ways to do something, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm a big show them every way they can do it. Let them pick a way. And if you're noticing it's not as efficient, then suggest they try a different way. But be open to it not being your way, right? Make sure you're training policy, not style. And that was something I ran into in mm -hmm. every comm center, Georgia and California. People, <laughs> people would try to train me by style. And mm -hmm. it just doesn't work because your style is where you're comfortable. So mm -hmm. be willing to recognize that in yourself. And as long as the end result is the same and they get there in about the same amount of time, mm -hmm. let them rock and roll. Because the minute you tell them their way is not the most efficient way or the wrong way, they're done. You guys might have some friction. They're going to be like, oh, don't work with Jennifer. She's an attorney. Right, she's Jennifer. Doesn't even know so, the policy. Exactly. She's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just so. went through post, Jennifer. I know the <laughs> basics. Right? They said do it this way. So, <laughs> you know, just 
And remember, we all come from different walks of life. So you don't know what kind of lens somebody is using when they come into this job. So, mm -hmm. so, yeah. so, so true. Mm -hmm. Well, Jennifer, I feel like we could talk all freaking day. I know, and right? I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> we might have to do a part two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Definitely. But the one thing that I ask everybody before we come to a close is what advice would you give someone considering a career in dispatch? Try it. A hundred percent. Try it. Um, I hope that when you get into it, it is something that you just fall in love with like I did. Um, but when you fall in love, don't sign up for every overtime shift. Remember to have a life outside of dispatch. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is you're going to get callers who just need resources and they're going to need to know who to talk to about something if you can't help them. Be that person for yourself too, because this job might bring up things that you hadn't thought of in a long time, or it might get you going, hmm, is the world really all that bad? It's not. I promise it's not. We just see a small snapshot of everybody's bad day. So it starts to kind of look that way. So those resources you give to other people, start looking inward and making sure you're using them for yourself too. But I believe everybody should give it a try. You just, you never know. It takes a special person and you could be that special person to join one of our teams. Awesome. Well, also, uh, I feel like you're pretty accessible for folks in California for agencies if they have questions, concerns. Sounds like for aspiring dispatchers um, as well. Can you tell us a little bit how they can reach you if they if they have questions or if if how that process works if they're dealing yeah. with codes in their application? So I recommend first looking at the POST website, so post.ca.gov, and there's a hiring section across the top of our website and you wanna look at applicant. Go there, it links to everything you need to know about applying to be a dispatcher. And just remember that post sets the minimum standards, right? So the agency you're applying to may ask for more information, but at minimum, they have to ask for everything that is on our website. My name should be on that page, but I can leave my email address. It's Jennifer, John Edward Nora Nora Ida Frank Edward Robert dot Dwyer David William Yellow Edward Robert at post.ca.gov. Email me in at any time. I do not think it's weird to get emails at three o'clock in the morning uh -huh. um, because I've lived that dispatch life trying to find stuff and you're like, I'm sending an email. I totally get it. And yes, I'm always accessible to anybody in state, out of state. I've collaborated with other states who are trying to get their dispatchers represented by post. So please, please reach out. Um, I will not recommend agencies, but I will point you to areas to search for your geographical location because a lot of people are like, I don't know where to start. Where do I work? You can work wherever you want because everybody needs dispatch. Everybody's hiring. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for reaching out, being willing to come on the show. Um, Post is definitely something that we deal with here in California. If we're familiar with a lot of my uh, aspiring dispatchers ask about the post test. So uh, the more information we can have about how you folks are doing things and improving things, we appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'll be right back with you. Okay. All right, everybody. That was another amazing episode here on Let's Talk Dispatch with me, Ashley, the Raspy Dispatcher. Again, Jennifer, thank you so much uh, for being willing to come on, share your story. Uh, we do need more folks in 
dispatch, who move on to the private sector, who move on to these state jobs to really advocate for the realities um, that we are working with and working in. As Jennifer mentioned, sometimes from the top down, there is a bit of a disconnect. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily anyone's fault. I just think it's what it is. Um, so we need to be really intentional with advocating for ourselves um, to our brass, as well as when we do make these moves out into the private sector, remembering what it was like when we were a dispatcher and how we can really implement changes and knowledge and provide knowledge to the folks who are trying to implement these changes that trickle down into our centers. Again, if you need to reach Jennifer, like she said, head to the post website. I believe it was post.ca.gov. Simple Google search. We know we love that. Um, to get more information, if you're an aspiring dispatcher or if you're an outside agency, including out of state, who have some questions, Jennifer is there to help you. As always, like, subscribe, tell a friend. And until next time, everybody, stay raspy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk Dispatch, a Raspy Dispatcher production. If you like the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, and of course, tell a friend. If you want to be a guest, head to the raspydispatcher.com and check out our additional resources. Until next time, stay raspy, everybody.